Shalom Alechem, peace be upon you, and welcome back to the broadcast. Today we are uh, doing some, what we haven't done in a couple of weeks, and that is resuming and continuing our study in the book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be reading chapters 21, 22, and 23 today, and it deals with David's fleeing from Saul at this point. Um, some interesting things that we see... Um, Number one, we really see Saul becoming just more evil, just more violent. We're going to see him destroy a whole priesthood out of his anger that they would dare to help David. Uh, he's really starting to, to lose his mind where David is concerned. Of course, the Lord continues to help David and, and give him guidance David inquires of, of the Lord of what to do and, and gets that information, which is really cool. We also see kind of the assembly of David's mighty men. He gathers his mighty men, um, and they hide in the wilderness. Uh, so some interesting things uh, going on as this story continues to develop as David flees uh, from Saul. Uh, and here in the very beginning, we see David doing some strange things himself. He uh, in order to survive, he pretends to, that he's lost his mind. He plays like he's gone crazy. Um, it's just wild. The story, this whole David's life, is absolutely uh, wild. When you when you just take a step back and you look at the whole thing and you think about the journey that this man went through, the ups and downs, and you know even God's most anointed people go through these crazy valleys at times, these ups and downs, these times of great fear and distress that you wouldn't expect, you wouldn't think that that would be what God's people are going through, but that is the way, that is the way that it works out. Alright, well that hopefully sets the stage for you, and again, this one's not so much about teaching doctrine and stuff like that, this is just, we're just reading the history here. Uh, out of 1 Samuel, so I, I pray that you enjoy it. Without further delay then, uh, let's begin. 1 Samuel chapter 21, King James Bible. Then came David to Nob, to Himelech the priest. And Himelech was afraid at meeting of David, and said unto him, Why art thou alone, and no man with thee? And David said unto Hamiliach the priest, The king hath commanded me a business, and hath said unto me, Let no man know anything of the business whereabout I send thee, and what I have commanded thee, and I have appointed my servant to such and such a place. Now therefore, what is under thy hand? Give me five loaves of bread in my hand, or what there is present. And the priest answered David and said, There is no common bread under my hand, but there is hollowed bread, if the young men have kept themselves at least from women. And David answered the priest and said unto him, Of a truth women have been kept from us about these three days, since I came out. And the vessels of the young men are holy, and the bread is in a manner common, yea, though it were sanctified this day in the vessel. So the priest gave him hollowed bread, for there was no bread there but showbread. That was taken from before the Lord to put hot bread in the day when it was taken away. Now a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, 
detained before the Lord. And his name was Doag, an Edomite, the chiefest of the herdmen that belongeth to Saul. What's interesting here is we see this man Doag, who's kind of around, and as we're going to see, he becomes a problem for David as he's going to go and tell Saul what's going on. Interestingly enough, though, it says that he was detained before the Lord, and his name was Doag. Verse 8, And David said unto Ahimeliach, And is there not under here thy hand a spear or sword? For I have neither brought my sword nor my weapons with me, because the king's business required haste. Now, of course, all this must seem strange to the priest. Here's David. He shows up, first of all, with no one with him. David would have always had a huge entourage. Uh, He's got no weapons, which would also be uncharacteristic of David. And he's got no portions, no food. He's having to take the holy showbread, which was, you know, it it was not for this. Uh, But at any rate, here's what he has. He's asking for a sword. Verse 9, And the priest said, The sword of Goliath, the Philistine, whom thou slewest in the valley of Elah, Behold, it is here wrapped in cloth behind the ephod. If thou wilt take it, take it, for there is no other save that here. And David said, There is none like that. Give it to me. And David arose, and he fled that day for fear of Saul, and he went to Achish the king. He went to Achish the king of Gath. So he gives, so it happens to be that the sword of Goliath is here. And so David takes the sword of Goliath and he says, there's none like it. Let me have it. I wonder what that sword looks like. <laughs> I mean, it, the, the Bible, unfortunately, doesn't give us any descriptions about this other than that there's none like it. So it must have been a very unique and interesting weapon. Continuing on. And the servant of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the land? They not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his tens thousands, tens of thousands. And David laid up these words in his heart, and was sore afraid of Achish the king of Gath. And he changed his behavior before them, and feigned himself mad in their hands, and scrabbled on the doors of the gate, and let spittle fall down upon his beard. Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have ye brought him to me? Have I need of madmen, that you have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? So David, he he has this fear that comes over him. And so he pretends to be like he's lost his mind. Like he's lost insane. He starts drooling on himself. I guess you could say that's pretty quick-witted. Interesting. Chapter 22. David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave at Vdulam. And when his brethren and all of his father's house heard it, they went down thither to him. And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was in discontentment gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. So what you really have is about a bunch of outcasts. People that feel like they've been wronged or mistreated by the kingdom, they align themselves with David. And so he's got his 400 men. 
And so here we have the assembly of, of David's mighty men. And that's an interesting concept. And in fact, if you really think about it, many movies and stories have been told based on this kind of story. You know, you have this, this guy, he's good, he's, he's young, he's being pursued by the evil king, and he's got his band of people that are loyal to him, and they, you know, they do these impossible things with these small numbers. You know, a lot of those themes come from this idea. Continuing on. And David went thence to Mizpah of Moab, and he said unto the king of Moab, Let my father and my mother, I pray thee, come forth and be with you, till I know what God will do for me. And he brought them before the king of Moab, and they dwelt with him all the while that David was in the hold. And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. Then David departed and came into the forest of Harath. Something important to note, the prophet Gad. Um, the Bible refers to, a born of says in the book of Chronicles, it refers to the book of Gad. Okay, so you have this prophet Gad. This is who David just spoke with. And verse 5, it says, And the prophet Gad said unto David, Abide not in the hold, depart and get thee into the land of Judah. And then David departed, and it came into the forest of Harass. So the prophet Gad has given David instruction from the Lord here. Hey, you need to go. You need to get out of here. What we have access to now, uh, thanks to Ken Johnson and his research, is the book of Gad, uh, which is referenced by the Bible, and the book of the prophet Gad. Um, and so at some point, I'm hoping to reread it and then start uh and then maybe do a study on that as well. Uh, once we get through maybe one of these books here for Samuel at least. Anyway, enough rambling. Verse six. When Saul heard that David was discovered, and the men that were with and men were with him, now Saul abode in Gibeah under a tree, and Ramah having his spear in his hand, and all of his servants were standing around him. Then Saul said unto servants that stood before him, Hear now, ye Benjamites. Will the son of Jesse give every one of you fields and vineyards and make you all captains of thousands and captains of hundreds? That all of you have conspired against me, and there is none that showeth me that my son hath made a league with the son of Jesse. And there is none of you that is sorry for me, or showeth unto me that my son hath stirred up my servant against me to lie in wait as at this day. Then answered Duag the Edomite, which was set over the servants of Saul. And he said, I saw the son of Jesse come into Nob, to Ameliach the son of Ahitub. And he inquired of the Lord for him, and he gave him victuals, and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine. Then the king sent, Call Ahimelech the priest, the son of Ahitub, and all his father's house, the priests that were in Nob, and they came of them to the king. So here's that guy that was mentioned, Do Doeg. He tells Saul what he, that he saw um, David come to Ahimelech, the priest, and the priest gave him bread and gave him the sword of Goliath. And so now Saul's having all of the, the whole priesthood appear before him. And Saul said, Here now, 
thou son of Ahitub? And he answered, Here I am, my lord. And Saul said unto him, Why have you conspired against me, thou and the son of Jesse, and that thou hast given him bread and a sword, and hast inquired of God for him, that he should rise against me to lie in wait as at this day? This is how far Saul's lost his mind, or how far away from God he is, that he's mad that the priest would inquire of God for, on behalf of David. He's like, why would you go to God and get information? Is basically what he's saying. It's, it's maddening. Verse 14, Then Ahimelech answered the king and said, And who is faithful among all thy servants is David? which is the king's son-in-law, and goeth at thy bidding, and in his honorable in thy house. Did then I begin to inquire of God for him? Be it far from me, let not the king impute anything unto his servant, nor to all the house of my father, for thy servant knew nothing of all this, less or more. And the king said, Thou shalt surely die, Ahimelech, thou and all thy father's house. So Saul's pronouncing the judgment of death upon the priesthood. And the king said unto the footmen that stood about him, Turn and slay the priest of the Lord, because their hand is also with David, and because they knew when he fled and did not show it to me. But the servants of the king would not put forth their hand to fall upon the priest of the Lord. And the king said to Doeg, Turn thou, fall upon the priest, and Duag the Edomite turned, and he fell upon the priest, and slew on that day fourscore and five persons that did wear a linen ephod. So this Duag guy character, from Saul's command, kills Ahimelech the priest. And not him only, but fourscore and five persons that wore the ephod. The ephod. Verse 19, And Nob, the city of the priests, smote with he smote, smote he with the edge of the sword. So now he goes to that little city. Both men and women and children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. Think about how evil that is. Not only did Saul kill all those who wore the ephod, but he sends people in and they kill women and children in this city simply because David got some bread there. Verse 19, And Nob the city of the priests smote he with the edge of the sword, both men and women and children and sucklings and oxen and asses and sheep with the edge of the sword. And one of the sons of Ahimelech, the son of Ahitub, named Abathar, escaped and fled after David. And Abathar showed David that Saul had slain the Lord's priest. And David said unto Abathar, I knew it that day, when Doeg the Edomite was there, that he would surely tell Saul, I have occasioned the death of all the persons of thy father's house. Abide thou with me, fear not, for he that seeketh my life seeketh thy life, but with me thou shalt be in safeguard. Chapter 23 Then they told David, saying, Behold, the Philistines fight against Keilah, and they rob 
the threshing floors. Therefore David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and smite these Philistines? And the Lord said unto David, Go and smite the Philistines and save Keilah. And David's men said unto him, Behold, we be afraid here in Judah. How much more then if we come to Keilah against the armies of the Philistines? Then David inquired of the Lord yet again. And the Lord answered him and said, Arise, go down to Keilah, for I will deliver the Philistines into thy hand. So David and his men went to Keilah and fought with the Philistines and brought away their cattle and smote them with a great slaughter. So David saved the inhabitants of Keilah. And it came to pass, when Abithar the son of Ahimelech fled to David to Keilah, that he came down with an ephod on his head. Or, I'm sorry, an ephod in his hand. And it was told Saul that David was come to Keilah. And Saul said, God hath delivered him into my hand, for he is shut in by entering into a town that hath gates and bars. Again, let's look at just how delusional Saul is. He just killed the priesthood, everyone who wore an ephod. He, he, one of his accusations was that the priest would dare inquire of the Lord on behalf of David. He gets word that David's in this city, and he's, and then he starts saying, the Lord has delivered him into my hands. I mean, he's so delusional that he thinks that now God is on his side all of a sudden. I mean, this guy has really went off the deep end. And look, you see this with leaders, right? They get power, they get money, they go insane. And this guy surely is. Verse 8, And Saul called all the people together to war to go down to Keilah to besiege David and his men. And David knew that Saul secretly practiced mischief against him, and he said to Abithar the priest, Bring hither the ephod. Then said David, O Lord God of Israel, thy servant has certainly heard that Saul seeketh to come to Keilah to destroy the city for my sake. Will the men of Keilah deliver me up into his hand? Will Saul come down as thy servant hath heard? O Lord God of Israel, I beseech thee, tell thy servant. And the Lord said, He will come down. Then said David, Will the men of Keilah deliver me and my men into the hand of Saul? And the Lord said, They will deliver thee up. Again, David's just being betrayed on every corner. I mean, he just saved Keilah from the Philistines, right? David and his mighty men went down and they slaughtered the Philistines, saved Keilah out of the hand of the Philistines. But God is warning David, hey, these people will betray you into the hands of Saul. It's also interesting. It's like God knows that these things are happening and developing, but God doesn't just like intervene and stop it. Instead, he just gives information to his servant and guides them on what to do. I think it's just so interesting. The, the king of the universe, the creator of all things, who has all power, doesn't just come down and just move his chess pieces or block or do or intervene in, in this amazing way that we would think he should. Instead, he just kind of gives guidance to his people and works through his own. He works through his elect to change the world or to change circumstances. 
Not to say that God doesn't sometimes do incredible, amazing things. Obviously, you've got the Exodus story, and we could go on and on. But it seems like a majority of the time, rather than God just coming down and fixing everything, he works through his people. Rather than just smiting Saul and all of Saul's armies, because they're coming against David, he gives David instruction. Just something interesting that I'm thinking about as I examine this story. We're almost finished here. Then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah, and went wheresoever they could go. And it was told Saul and David, it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. I think it's interesting to note that David's men, he's gained 200 men since it originally happened, right? Because we look back at chapter 2, verse Two, and it says, And everyone that was in distress, and everyone that was in debt, and everyone that was discontented gathered themselves unto him, and he became a captain over them. And there were with him about four hundred men. Now we look at chapter 23, verse 13, since he's went to Keilah. Then David said unto his men, which were about six hundred. Interesting. Verse 14, And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds, and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw, that, David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life. And David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood. And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be king over Israel and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they too made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. Then came up, to, then came up the Ziphites to Saul to Gibeah, saying, Doth not David hide himself with us in strongholds in the wood, in the hill of Hekelah, which is in the south of Jeshamon? Now therefore, O king, come down according to all that thy desire of thy soul to come down, and our part shall be to deliver him into the king's hand. And Saul said, Blessed be ye of the Lord, for ye have compassion on me. Go, I pray you, prepare yet, and know, and see his place where his hot is, and who hath seen him there, for it is told me that he delayeth very subtly. See therefore, and take knowledge of all the lurking places where he hideth himself, and come ye again to me with the certainty, and I will go with you, and it shall come to pass, if he be in the land, that I will search him out throughout all the thousands of Judah. And they arose and went to Ziph before Saul, but David and his men were in the wilderness of Moan, in the plain on the south of Jeshimon. Saul also and his men went to seek him, and they told David, Wherefore came down into a rock, and abode in the wilderness of Moan. And when Saul heard that, he pursued after David in the wilderness of Moan. And Saul went on this side of the mountain, and David and his men on that side of the mountain. And David made haste to get away for fear of Saul, for Saul and his men compassed David and his men round about to take them. But there came a messenger unto Saul, saying, Haste thee, and come, for the Philistines have invaded the land. 
Wherefore Saul returned from pursuing after David and went against the Philistines. Therefore they called the place Selah Hamalekath. And David went up from thence and dwelt in strongholds at En Gadi. That is the end of our story for today. The end of our study in 1 Samuel. And Lord willing, we'll get back to it next week. Um, you know, again, it's historical information. And it's interesting to see, you know, you know, sometimes people can be delusional like Saul and they can be in opposition to God, opposition to God's will. They can be doing evil and yet they're and yet somehow think that God is for them and on their side and helping them to do their evil. It's it's mind boggling, but we see it all the time, really. And when we have wicked leaders and politicians all over the world who claim to be Christian, but they do nothing but evil and persecute and make trouble for God's people. And yet somehow, in their own little mind, and in their own little world, they think that God is for them. It's amazing. It's incredible. But you see that God is with David on every turn. He's, he's warning him. He's giving him, you know, David will inquire of the Lord and the Lord will answer him. He sends prophets to him to warn him. He, he's constantly helping David navigate this situation. And uh, so anyway, that's the end of my rambling for today. I hope that you've been blessed uh, by this story by and uh, this account that we read in 1 Samuel. Thank you for listening. I want to thank everybody for your recent support. You know, support has been something that's been way down this year, but uh, many of you have been generous, very generous this month. So thank you for supporting the podcast and helping me make it possible and just blessing me in general. Uh, it's it's far more than I deserve, and I just really, really appreciate it. So I want to say thank you to the supporters and the Patreon supporters and the PayPal supporters. Uh, thank you so much for your support and for your prayers and just your commitment to this work that I'm doing. That's all I got for you. Peace and grace be with you. And until next time, God bless. <laughs>